News dump. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. It's a It's the final dump, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Game on Wisconsin is brought to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. Visit ArtecVentures.com for more info. Yes, please do visit ArtecVentures.com for more. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen to the final dump podcast kudos to dz for putting together that intro and that ad read everybody loves a good old-fashioned poop joke which is exactly <laughs> what that intro goes into i am not brendan dwierzynski who i affectionately refer to as dz and my co-host tonight is not matt Freilich. they have decided to slack this week so we are here to pick that up i am your host of tonight's show i am jacob westendorf of Game On Wisconsin. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf and every Wednesday on the Pick 6 podcast in addition to Tuesdays on the MBS show. I am joined tonight by one of our newest members of the network. He of Cut the BS, which you can see every Thursday and check out that show and podcast if you have not with former Packer, former Badger, Gary Ellerson, Brandon Snide. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Oh, absolutely. We're, we're picking up the slack tonight. That's okay. It's Thursday night. Tomorrow's Friday. The weekend's right around the corner, and I am ready for a break for my kids who are homeschooling this week. I do not envy you in the slightest <laughs> when you start talking about stuff like that. Another person I don't envy is Russell Wilson, who just got his head kicked in all weekend. I will tell you, Brandon, I think my favorite part of the shutout so far this week, I can't decide if it was if it was Darnell Savage's tweet of zero from the movie, I believe that's holes was his yes. reference. Great book oh. too. Okay. So there you go. That's how well versed I was in that. I had to have somebody explain it to me. Yeah. It's a great, or, book, great movie. Or Rashawn Gary's video where Dennis, the menace yells, Hey, Mr. Wilson followed by a highlight of Gary's sack against <laughs> Russell Wilson on Sunday. So just real quick, we can put the, the Seahawks game to bed here pretty quickly because it's Friday and the Packers and the Vikings are at the forefront of the mind right here. But Brandon, how surprised were you that the Packers defense was able to dominate that game the way that they were? Jacob, I was very, I'll be honest with you, very surprised. I owe Joe Barry an apology. It's been brewing for probably, I don't know, the last five, six weeks. What we saw in preseason, when we saw in week one with the dismantling of the uh, of the New Orleans Saints gave us, um, you know, it assumed that it was probably going to be Another one of those years where, as Packer fans, we're accustomed to uh, since 2010, really having kind of that middle of the pack, uh, back end of the defense. I know uh, under Mike Pettin last year, they were number nine overall. But for the most part, it's been a team that struggled defensively. And over the last seven weeks, eight weeks, um, really, really good and really has carried this team. Uh, when you look at over the last three weeks, when they face Kyler Murray, as dynamic as he is, as the, the potential he has is sky high. And then you play Patrick Mahomes, obviously a, a former MVP, a former Super Bowl champion. And then you play Russell Wilson. I know he was coming off the finger injury. He's a former 
Super Bowl uh, winner. And you hold those three guys combined to 601 total yards over three weeks, one total touchdown and four interceptions. I mean, that speaks volumes. I was shocked, to be honest with you. It's hard to shut out anybody in the NFL. I don't care how good you are. I mean, Jacksonville racked up a couple of points against Buffalo. You know, you see Houston scores, you know, Detroit tied with, uh, with Pittsburgh. I know Ben Roethlisberger was out, but it's hard, Jacob, in the NFL to shut anybody out. It's hard to shut anybody out in any sport. Um, so in the way they did it, you know, you just, you look back at, you know, it's gotta be Joe Barry. You're seeing guys like Dean Lowry have career years as great as Kenny Clark is friend of Lombardi show over on game on Wisconsin. Check out that interview on YouTube. Um, he's having the best start, uh, the best part of his career uh, this year. And then obviously Devondre Campbell, who's apps. I said it, I know it sounds crazy coming out of my tongue. I just talked to Gary Ellerson about it. He, I, Again, if you're listening to this podcast, and I'm, I'm I'm glad you are, and thank you very much, he might be in the conversation for most valuable player. And I know that sounds crazy, but when you look at the bigger picture, you know he's absolutely dominated not only against the Seahawks but all year. I was I was really shocked. I knew going into that game, Aaron Rodgers hasn't practiced since October 22nd. That was the the practice before their Sunday game, and then he obviously. Uh, played that Thursday night game. They didn't practice really all that week. He plays Thursday night in, in Arizona, and then he's test positive, and everybody knows the story from here on out. He hasn't played in or practiced in, in quite some time, so I knew the offense was going to struggle. I didn't think it would take 50 minutes into the game to score, um, but I also didn't think the defense would shut out the the Seahawks. And, and that, they got some really good talent on that side of the ball. You talk about arguably the two – best uh receivers as a duo in the nfl yeah they do and then they have russell wilson who i know he was returning from a double lung transplant and a near amputation but was able to uh the Packers hold him <laughs> able to hold him zero points and you mentioned that it's hard to shut people out that may be true that's definitely true in the nfl maybe less so true in the big 10 west but that's the case with the seattle seahawks now as they were shut out the packers defense now like you mentioned kyler murray pat mahomes russell wilson and I don't mean to belabor this point, but that's still Kyler Murray and a really good offense in Arizona. That's still Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and a two-time AFC champion in the AFC that the Packers defense shut down with little to no help from their offense, if we're being honest. And then that's still obviously Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett on that side of the ball for the Seahawks. And the Packers defense has stood their ground. And there was a fair question going into that stretch as to whether – Green Bay's defense was smoke and mirrors and just beating up on some bad quarterbacks. But now I think they're starting to get some love as a legitimate unit. Kenny Clark talked about it last night on Lombardi's bar, how Green Bay has, you know, now they got to get to where they're getting some love and they need to not be feeling themselves a little too much. Cause that's when, that's when things can tend to go South and, and pretty quickly, especially in this league. And the Packers are playing another talented offense on Sunday in the Minnesota Vikings. And we'll get to that in just a minute. I do want to talk about the injury situation because the biggest story in green Bay right now, while Aaron Rodgers is still isn't practicing, but I don't, I mean, he's going to play Sunday. So I don't think that's as big of a story uh, as David Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari practiced while he was on the pup. He practiced when he was in the practice window to come off of the pup and has now not practiced in three straight days. And Lafleur is saying that it's not a setback. It's not anything like that, that he's just day to day, but 
that brings me back to the days of Lovey Smith and John Fox saying that Alshon Jeffrey was day to day. And then he wound up not playing for the first two weeks. So I'm a little worried. I don't think Bakhtiari is going to play on Sunday and I'm not sure that we see him until after the bye. Now I'm not concerned about that necessarily because it's a, it's a guy, he got injured in late December. It's normally a 10 to 12 week recovery window. I think we all look at Adrian Peterson and, and Brian Balaga here in green Bay as somebody who came back in nine months. That's a serious injury that Bakhtiari is coming back from. And I don't think we gave enough credit or enough thought to that of how significant that injury is uh, when coming back. But what is your concern level for Cause when LaFleur, the only thing that really has me concerned is when they ask him, is he going to be back is when he says, I sure as heck hope so. That's not, Oh yeah, he'll be back. We're just taking it. You know, we're just taking our time because taking your time with Bakhtiari makes sense. He's a very important player to their team. They allowing, they're allowing him to heal. They have some stuff in the bank, so to speak, with being eight and two. If they were five and four, maybe they'd be a little more desperate to get him back on the field. But they're not. They're eight and two and at the top of the NFC right now. But I do wonder, what is your concern level that they're not going to get him back until maybe very late in the season? Yeah, my concern isn't that. I think that that's that's fine. You know, I think we got to also remember this injury happened late December. Uh, prior to uh, the playoffs, uh, I believe it was like, wasn't it late December, like December 29th? It was right before they played Chicago. Yeah. The last so it was season. right. So it was late December. So he's just coming up on a year. Uh, you know, he's 11 months in right now. You know, you, you take into effect the recovery time is about 10 to 12 months. Um, he's a bigger guy. He's 6'4, 310 pounds. Just got a massive contract extension, well deserved on his part. Um, and the Green Bay Packers are always a, a little bit more uh, conservative when it comes to injuries. You're not going onto that field until you're 110. percent I know. I know. No matter what Martellus Bennett says, that's just how. That's just how. Not a name we're allowed to say on this network. It is Dingling <clears throat> McGee, and that is his name. Thank you, Jason Perone. <laughs> so, so um, I'm not concerned about him not uh, returning late in the season. I'm concerned of him returning. Period. Um, Matt LaFleur didn't seem to boast any kind of confidence into, uh, the situation. Like you said, I sure as heck hope, um, that doesn't really boost any confidence for me, uh, for him returning at all. And if you listen to Adam Stenovich, the offensive line coach, he kind of let the cat out of the bag, you know, a little bit with, he said, and I'm paraphrasing him. Um, I think he said, I, I think David, he's talking about Bakhtiari. I think David's under, you know, realizing that uh, how hard of a grind it is to come back from this injury. So uh, when he came off the pup and he activated him, he practiced, like you said, you know, I think it was two or three straight days. They obviously didn't activate him uh, the, uh, for the, the game Sunday. And then he hasn't practiced all week. And then you get, you know, the, the press conferences of I sure as heck hope he plays. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel any better about his situation. I, you know, realistically, like you said, they're eight and two. There's no need to have him back. Um, future Hall of Famer uh, is at the left tackle right now. The only issue with the problem with this, you know, current situation is the interior of the offense line sucks uh, from, you know, center to Royce Newman. And obviously uh, hopefully you get Josh Myers back. I think Josh Myers is, and I know this sounds crazy, is a little bit more of, a, of a, an important piece right now. I'd rather have, uh, the starting center back and, and wait on David Bakhtiari. You've got Elton Jenkins over on the left side. 
he's anchored. He's number five left tackle in football right now, uh, according to PFF. Like the guy is phenomenal at what he does. Um, so I'm just concerned, Jacob, that we may not see him this year. Like that's a possibility. We may, we just may not see him, especially. I know that he said there wasn't a setback, but there was obviously something because if there wasn't a setback, you would at least see him out on the practice field, whether it's doing uh, agility drills. I mean, walkthroughs, you would at least see something to have him not at all be out at practice all week is absolutely concerning for the, for the rest of the year. That leads me to this question. Cause we've talked on the defense before about how I don't think the Packers can win a championship if they don't get one of Z or Jair back, I think they could get not get one and be okay. But I think they have to get at least one of those guys back. Can they win a championship? If David Bakhtiari is not their left tackle come playoff time. I think they can. Um, and I know last year they didn't. And that happened right before the playoff start. They didn't have a whole lot of time uh, to run, you know, configure that offensive line. Elton Jenkins has been there all year. He's been out there all year. Every every week, this you know, outside of the few weeks he missed uh, with his ankle injury, Billy Turner has been your right tackle all year. Last year, if you remember, Billy Turner was flipped to the to the left side um, on short notice, and it kind of just it, it, you know, Shaq Barrett and uh, Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul, and they all had a field day uh, in that NFC Championship game, and, and Green Bay just couldn't protect the quarterback. This year, they this is the unit they've been running through all year. You know, God forbid there's another injury. Uh, on that offensive line, you would imagine you would, yeah, un, I under, from my understanding, you're going to get Josh Myers back. Um, once you slide Josh Myers into that uh, starting center position and, and kick out Lucas Patrick, uh, the interior solidifies a little bit more. And and I think on the, on the outsides, you're, you're golden. I mean, you, Billy Turner gets swept under the rug as well, but he's arguably having his best year as a, as an offensive line over on the right side. So I think without Bakhtiari, I still think they're able to win a Super Bowl. I still think they're going to be able to run the ball. The issues are coming through the interior of, of that offensive line. And I think when Josh Myers comes back, John Run, uh, John Runyon Jr. is doing great. You know, I Royce Newman still makes me queasy at times. I know he's a, I know he's a rookie and, and he has a lot of promise, but he's had his moments this year of, of being a rookie. I know if David Bakhtiari came back, you would it would probably solidify the interior part. Um, but if I had to, you know, say can they win a Super Bowl? They've won eight out of ten games without David Bakhtiari and without uh, Elton Jenkins for a good portion. And I don't think they can. Um, and I, I know everything you just said that's noted, that's well taken. I understand that, uh, but I think that in the playoffs, your best players have to play their best. And Bakhtiari is one of their five best players, if not one of their yeah. three best players when you start talking about that. And we're not talking about some of the, the Packers have faced some teams that aren't the most adept at rushing the passer. When you get to the playoffs, you know, you look at the path that they're going to have to go through the Cowboys. They've got guys that can rush the passer. Yeah. The Rams, they have Aaron Donald. You might've heard of him. The Bucks, we saw that last year. You've seen some of these teams and even some of these wild card teams that Green Bay could run into. New Orleans can rush the passer. Like those are things that can happen. And you talked about their ability to run the ball. This interior right now does not have a guy that they say it's third and one, move this dude out of his gap, kick his ass, and let's pick up one yard. They don't have a guy that can do that right now. Nope. And that's where I think Elton Jenkins playing in the middle of this offensive line because a big – and not only that, just from the standpoint of you call him a future Hall of Famer, I'm not going to go that far just yet, but I will say he's an all-pro when he plays left guard. 
If the Packers have David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins playing left tackle and left guard, that's two all pros that they gain on their offensive line, hopefully able to get Josh Myers back. And then you have Runyon or Newman, whoever they decide, or Lucas Patrick, if they go that route, to play right guard next to Billy Turner. Now, instead of two, maybe three soft spots on that offensive line, you're looking at one and one and a half if you want to include Myers. But Myers has had a decent rookie season when he's been able to step in and play. But I don't think they can win a title without Bakhtiari. I think of of the three guys, Bakhtiari, Z, and Jair Alexander, I think the guy that they need to back the most is Bakhtiari. Just because I've seen this defense perform without those guys. Now, again, they're going to be facing Stafford and Brady and Prescott and some of those guys in the playoffs. But I think that they still have Rashawn Gary. They still have Preston Smith if Zadarius Smith can't come back. They still have Eric Stokes, who's played well as a rookie. They have Rasul Douglas, who's had a really good season. Shannon Sullivan, Kevin King has played well the last three really weeks. Well. Yeah. I just think that Green Bay is in a lot of trouble if you if they can't protect the blind side of their quarterback because at some point, to find the final form on this offense, they're going to need to be able to get some of those shot plays down the field, and they haven't been there this year. Some of that is because of the defenses they face. Some of that is by design because they've had to change the way that they protect the quarterback. And that's been through quick passing and all that sort of stuff that they've done. And I think they've done a good job of making amends without Bakhtiari playing left tackle. And especially when they didn't have Jenkins playing left tackle and were essentially starting four rookies and Billy Turner mm-hmm. uh, when they had Yosh Neiman playing the left tackle position. So I think they need Bakhtiari back. And I think uh, that that's going to be the biggest addition. I've said it before. That's the biggest addition. Name your trade deadline, name your bogus Odell Beckham acquisition, Name whatever it is that you want. Thank God they didn't get Odell Beckham. But <laughs> name anything you want on that. The biggest acquisition any team could make this season is David Bakhtiari. Now let me ask you this question, and 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 I I think you make really good points, um, and I don't disagree with you completely. But what happened to Whitney Merciless? Obviously, the torn bicep knocks him out for the year. Rashawn Gary, how the hell? He didn't break his arm is beyond me. Um, obviously, just a hyperextended elbow. My boy doesn't break. <clears throat> but it, it, it begs the question, not taking anything away from Preston, um, he's been inconsistent outside of his first year in Green Bay. Um, if you can't get to the quarterback, you don't stand a chance, especially mm-hmm. to the likes of Brady and Prescott and Stafford, like you just mentioned. If Rashawn Gary's not 100% and you don't have Whitney Merciless anymore, and Preston Smith's there, how confident are you in that pass rush? Especially if, Gary, something happens with that with that elbow. And if you, you called the reports from practice today, they said it was a massive brace. So, obviously, you know, it's going to make him uncomfortable. Is it going to make him as effective? Maybe, maybe not. Then you're getting – then you're begging the question, well, now we can't even get to the passer. So, now we're going to have to sit back and, and rely on our coverage for – three, four, five seconds. And that's going to become a problem, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. And especially against those guys that you mentioned, because the ultimate equalizer against an elite quarterback is putting him under pressure. And we've seen that whether it's exactly. Mac Jones or all the way up, you know, name, I shouldn't have said Mac Jones because you have a really good season, but name your <laughs> name, who you think the worst quarterback in the NFL is all the way up to the greatest that's ever laced him up. And that's Tom Brady. The, the equalizer against those guys is that pass rush. That's why the Giants were able to win two Super Bowls. Yep. They were able to put that pressure on them. So that's a fair question, I think. And I've talked about this a lot. The Packers have spent a lot of money in draft capital on their pass rush. Kenny Clark's a first-round pick. Rashawn Gary's a first-round pick. Z and Preston were both big 
big yep. free agent contracts. The next playoff game, the next, I shouldn't say that the next NFC championship game that those guys play well in will be the first, yeah. the next playoff game that those guys dominate in and are just menaces from start to finish will be the second, the Seattle game in 2019, yeah. both Smith brothers had a big day, but they're going to need more from that pass rush. Hopefully Gary is able to go, even if not this weekend in the near future, and I am a little concerned about his injury just because his best move is that power rush. Yeah, exactly. If your elbow is jacked up when you're trying to push <laughs> into that tackle. That hurts like a son of a gun. So I understand that the Packers are very lucky. You know, that was an injury on Sunday that it's crazy that we're talking about it this way, but it's one that if green Bay had suffered that loss, I don't think it's one they could have afforded uh, in addition to Whitney merciless. Now, I do think, I wonder if Green Bay is going to look at another veteran type of addition. I know there are some popular names that get thrown out like Olivier Vernon and John Simon and Trent Murphy. I don't know if they're going to do something like that or if they're just going to stick with Tipa uh, and, and Ladarius Hamilton, who they signed to the practice squad. So that'll be interesting to see how they do that as far as rushing the passer. One other name we mentioned during that little soliloquy was Kevin King. And I mentioned over the weekend, it was, I was at Lambeau and I was a little pissed off when it happened, but Kevin King gets introduced and it's mostly cheers, but there was a, a smattering of booze in the crowd when they mentioned Kevin King. And first of all, when it comes to, you know, if you're a fan and you're in the stands and a player does something bad, feel free to boo. I don't care about that. I think it's weird that people get their, you know, get all up in a tizzy over that. But dirt before the game starts, maybe Kevin King has the best game of his career. You don't know if he's going to do that. Right. Or not. Yeah, it's not, it's not likely. I understand that, but there's no need to boo him before the game even starts. And I know the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Kevin King is the deep ball last year to Scotty Miller. And then the pass interference penalty that in essence ended the Packers season. I understand that. What I don't understand is the level of hatred for somebody who's on your team that ultimately if King does well, the team does well. And he's been really good the last couple of weeks. He had an interception, on Sunday, that was the biggest play of the game to date at that point. And he's had a good stretch of, you know, he's the Packers as a whole are tackling better this year. And King is part of that. I just think he's somebody that I understand. Maybe you didn't want him on the team anymore. Just don't boo the guy. I don't, I don't understand that. But what are your thoughts on, on King's ability uh, through these last, you know, couple of games to kind of help the Packers through. I mean, you talk about injuries for this year's team. Pass rush group has been decimated. The cornerback group has gone through. Like, Rasul Douglas wasn't on the team to start the season. Like, that's not a guy that they absolutely had to have. Otherwise, he would have been on the team, on the practice squad, something. They picked him up out of desperation, mm -hmm. essentially. So what are your thoughts on King's ability and what he's shown over the last couple of weeks? It goes to show you what the – and, again, I'm you know, not trying to get onto the – the, the hatred of Kevin King. If he's on my team, I don't, I don't boo any of anybody. I don't, yeah, I don't care how poorly you play. Uh, Kevin King changed that game in week 10. Yeah. Seattle was moving that ball. I mean, they were moving that ball, whether you say, you know, whether Pete Carroll likes it or not, the ball was intercepted by Kevin King. That was the ruling on the field. That was the play that stood. He changed the, the momentum in that game. Seattle was driving that ball and, and, and like you Carol said, was such a douche, by the way. Just yeah, yeah. I think I that was I. So I rewatched that game today. I don't know what he was doing those last four minutes of the game. I don't, we're going to get off topic, but like even Tony Rome was like, I would probably use a timeout here. I don't. Whatever. I don't care. It is what it is. I um. It, I don't. Well, how much stock anybody puts into PFF? Um. 
they're a hit and miss with me, but he's the number five cornerback in the NFL for them right now. Uh, since I think week four or five, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. It, it, it's, it's gone back a couple of weeks. Um, so, but it's kind of what you saw, what Ted Thompson and, and rest in peace to Ted uh, saw in Kevin Kane when he was drafted. Now, Kevin Kane was drafted and right as, as soon as he was drafted, if you're a Packer fan, there's probably a solid chance you're a Badger fan. Uh, when they selected Kevin King uh, over uh, passing up on TJ Watt, um, Kevin King was already at a disadvantage from Packer yeah. fans for the most part. Um, everybody wanted TJ, and obviously that turned out to be very, a very good pick for for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But what I saw this year from Kevin King is kind of what we saw in 2019 as well. I mean, he's – remember, he led the team in interceptions with six in 2019. Um, you know, he's a big dude. Um, he tackles his tackling has been way better this year, uh, like n- night and day versus the last few years. Uh, again, that's probably credit to Joe Barry. Um, but he's been really, really good. I mean, to hold DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to a combined, and I know they rotated between Eric Stokes and Rasul Douglas and Kevin Keene only had 20 snaps, uh, in the game. And, and, and that's fine. You know, do what you got to do in, in the time that you're given, um, but to hold those guys to 52 combined yards, no matter who your guard wanted, DK was so frustrated he got ejected. You know, I mean, he. I, I'm impressed with Kevin King. I'm impressed because it takes a lot of mental uh, fortitude to come off of what happened in that NFC Championship game to sign the one-year $4.25 million deal in Green Bay. All the fans, are, yeah, a majority of them, are out to get you. Everything you do, it's being watched and criticized and critiqued, you know, good or bad. And, and the good plays kind of get left behind. I think people forget, uh, you know, that he did have that interception in week 10 that ultimately probably helped secure that win because Seattle was going in to score one of two ways, either a field goal or a touchdown before that interception. Um, so I've been impressed with him. You know, from a mental aspect, obviously he was banged up this year. Um, he's been a different guy this year than we saw last year. You know, I think he's trusting uh, himself a little bit more. Obviously having – potentially two all pro safeties, at least pro bowl safeties uh, probably helps uh, again for Eric Stokes as well. And Rasul Douglas. And when Jair comes back, um, but to say that, um, you know, anything other than impressed, you know, would be a, a lie. I mean, the guy's just, he's been impressive. And like I said, the one thing with Kevin Kane that sticks out to me more than, than anything, when you watch him on the perimeter is his tackling. And you can tell when Kevin King's engaged or when he's not. And, and, and it shows, with his effort in tackling. And he has been stout when it comes to tackling. Yeah, he has been, and they've been better as a whole. You mentioned that entire unit has been just in lockstep and the Packers. You know, I can't, and I say this, you know, Nick Collins, that name alone makes it the best safety tandem. The Packers said, I don't give a shit who was next to him, but <laughs> Savage and Amos are having maybe the best Packers safety season that I can remember in quite some time. It's just been, as good as you could have hoped for, you know, Savage has kind of been up and down, but there's something weird about him that when last year, his, his Ascension started when the calendar flipped to November and this year, at least so far, I feel like has been very similar. He's been very good. They're racing plays on the back end. They're making plays. Amos almost had two picks on Sunday. Had did come up with one. (laughs) Savage could have had one as well. You know, the Packers as a whole on their defense have just been incredibly impressive. And King has been part of that. And so has Mm -hmm. Joe Barry. And so have, have a lot of people. Let's get to Sunday's game because the Packers are going to play the Vikings. It's a game that I've said they can slam the door shut 
as yeah. far as the NFC North goes. The Packers would be four games up in the loss column with a tiebreaker over both current Hall of Famer Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings uh, with a win on Sunday. So I think this is a big game. I think that helps save the Packers from a quote-unquote trap game, which I don't believe in, but other people do. I think the Packers can can do some things. They've won the last two games. They won every game in Minnesota in the Matt LaFleur era. So that's something I think that maybe helps them a little bit, but the fans are going to be there and that place is rocking. So they're going to need to bring their best game. I certainly think that's something that the Packers need. Uh, and I think that they need to find a way to win this game. And I think they're going to do obviously everything they can to do something like that. But when you look at this Vikings team, Brandon, where do you look first as far as the Packers have to make sure that guy doesn't wreck the game? It's going to sound crazy. People are going to say Delvin Cook, and you're, you're, you're right. It could be. It's Kirk Cousins. There's, there's two ways with Kirk Cousins, Jacob. It's either uh, you apply pressure, uh, and like the, the great uh, – who was it that said make, Jay, make Mitch play quarterback? Was it Tremont? Uh, it might have been him, yeah. Yeah. I don't, whoever, I don't remember that. I just – yeah, the, the Bears quarterback quote to me forever is same old Jay. Yeah, there, there was another one. So we got to make Mitch play quarterback. That applies to Kirk, and I and he's the X factor for me. You know what you're going to get out of Delvin Cook. He's going to get the ball 20, 25 times. He's going to run the ball. To me, it's Kirk Cousins. Can you stop Kirk Cousins? And that sounds crazy, but you got an ascending tight end right now in Tyler Conklin, two receiving touchdowns last week against a decent Chargers defense, and then your two outside weapons in, in Thielen and Jefferson. Kirk Cousins is the X factor. That's the one I'm watching. Can they stop Kirk Cousins? And that sounds crazy, uh, but – Dalvin Cook's going to get his. He's one of those guys, you know, like Zeke, uh, Saquon when he's healthy, Aaron Jones. Like, they're going to get theirs. Like, they're going to – you're not going to completely be able to shut them down. You can shut down Kirk Cousins, making him uncomfortable in that pocket. He's not mobile at all. Anybody that watched football for a week knows that. Uh, so getting to him in the pocket is going to be critical. Um, and if they force Kirk Cousins to play quarterback, I think that changes the outcome of this game for the Packers, for the – for for if you're a Packers fan for the good. Yeah. My answer is Dalvin cook. I know that sounds like the easy answer. I understand what you're saying about Kirk cousins, but you know, at the end of the day, I think the Packers are built so much around stopping the pass that I just can't picture Kirk going off for 330 yards and four touchdowns or something like that, which is what I think it would require for him to win this game. I agree with you, but and if you heard Aaron Rodgers, I think it was either, it was either on the Pat McAfee show or it was one of his press conferences uh, they've been able to stop the run with light boxes, meaning, you know, you know, four or five guys, you know, the down, uh, the four down linemen, maybe a couple linebackers. Can you do that against Alvin Cook? Probably. Man, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think you I, can because I, that's the problem. And that's where Kirk Cousins comes into effect. Because if you're going to load the box, you're going to bring six, seven guys into the box and try to shut down Dalvin Cook. Well, that's going to open up Justin Jefferson one-on-one. That's going to open up Thielen one-on-one. Is Devondre Campbell going to be able to cover Tyler Conklin? You know, all these things start playing into the favor of Kirk Cousins. That's why my attention's on him. But I do think the good news is when it comes to passing situations that Green Bay, even if Gary is diminished and Kenny Clark is playing and Preston Smith, they can get pressure with four guys against this Minnesota offensive line. My thing with Cook is the Packers last year, Dalvin yeah. Cook in the first game only had 60 yards. They win 43 to 34. It's not a game that was as close as the final score indicates it was. The second time they played, he wrecked the game. He had over 200 all-purpose yards. He had a screen pass that if not for Alvin Kamara <laughs> and that play in New Orleans would have been the most embarrassing play of the Packers' defensive season. <laughs> was it was just awful. a tough go. 
Yeah, and the Packers, frankly, got their ass whooped up front last year when they came yeah. to Lambeau. You know, I mean, I've got guys like Ezra Cleveland putting Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster four yards into the end zone. Ezra Cleveland's not a mauler, not a run blocker. That's not what he's supposed to be. So I struggled with that. Dalvin is just somebody – Mike Zimmer is a coach that he could have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins with prime Rob Gronkowski playing tight end, and he would want to run the ball every single play from scrimmage if he could. So I think this is a game where they want to emphasize that. The Packers, their run defense has been better, but there are some holes in it. There are some cracks that they could potentially find. So I think limiting him and limiting him, I'm not saying you got to hold him under 100, but he just can't ruin the game against you. And he's had that ability. And when Minnesota has beaten the Packers, it's been a lot on the shoulders of Dalvin Cook. He is as good as it gets. And one of the best backs in all of football. And maybe – I'm just thinking back now, maybe the best back Green Bay has played this season since Kamara, which was week one. And and that was a tough one. So I think Dalvin Cook is definitely uh, the guy that you've got to look to first. Let's we're running out of time here. We're running short here. So let's get to our predictions. It's Packers Vikings Sunday at noon. It at I was gonna say in the Metrodome, but it's not in the Metrodome. It's at U.S. Bank Stadium, the bird killing bandbox (laughs) that is U.S. Bank Stadium. Brandon, who do you got and why? Oh, I hate to do uh, Matt and, and Brendan dirty here, but I'm, I'm going with the Vikings, and there's a there's a couple of reasons why. Um, number one, Green Bay is just not healthy. And how much longer can this success, can they maintain this success with these guys out? I mean, there are so many guys uh, that we talked about at the prior at the beginning of the show that are out. Um, you're eight and two. You're in, in the win column, you got a four-game lead in the division. It's not a do or die if you're a green Bay Packer um, it's kind of one of those games where you want to win. It's a divisional game. If you win, you mentioned it divisions over uh, pretty much, you know, outside of mathematically it's, it's over. Um, but on the flip side, this is Minnesota Super Bowl. Like it, it just is. They're not going to win in the playoffs. If they get there, this is it, you know, damn well, they have this game circled every year. Green Bay is circled if you're a Minnesota uh, Bears or, or Lions fan. It, it, they're always circled. This is their Super Bowl. They have to win. They're four and five right now. A loss pretty much right now. They're the eighth seed right now. A loss definitely doesn't end their season, but it definitely doesn't help. Um, so I think you're going to see them come out with with much more, you know, aggressiveness. They're going to come out with much more, you know, uh, the word I'm trying to figure out is not coming up right now. So uh, they're just, they're going des- yeah, a little bit of more desperation. I think they're just going to see a team uh, come out with, with an attitude of it's either this or it's, it's never going to happen. Um, and Mike Zimmer is probably coaching for his, his job. You know, Kirk Cousins may be playing for his job uh, after the end of this season. Um, so I got Minnesota in a close one. I think it's going to be 27-24, a Vikings victory uh, in Minnesota. Yeah, and I hear your point about desperation and and some of that other stuff. But reality is that stuff, I think, goes away very quickly. And Matt LaFleur said this week, they're desperate, but so are we. I think the Packers know the importance of this game, especially with a big game next week coming up against the Rams, who that game could be a big big determination in who the number one seed is in the NFC is going to be this year, but I don't think green Bay wants to. So they got a break last week in the Rams losing uh, along mm-hmm. with Tampa Bay. So I don't think they want to just punt that cushion right back to green Bay and ultimately, or uh, to those teams, excuse me. I just think green Bay is the better team and they've played well in Minnesota under Lafleur. I think that even with the defense, a little banged up, still got Preston Smith, 
still got Kenny Clark, still have Dre. And I think those the coverage schemes and such that they can come up with can slow down those receivers enough. Just don't let Dalvin Cook wreck the game, and I don't think that they will. The defensive line has played much better throughout the early course of this season. So I think it'll be a tight one. I think Green Bay wins 24-21 and moves to 9-2 and into next week's game against the Los Angeles Rams. So we are out of time here. This is the Final Dump Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Westendorf, joined by Brandon Snide. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. Subscribe to us on Facebook. Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, Game On Wisconsin, at Game On WI on social media channels. You can find Brandon at Brandon underscore Snide. That's S-N-E-I-D-E. Next week, the boys will be back, so you can listen to DZ and Matt on Fridays like you are accustomed to instead of hearing my horrible vocal cords. So I appreciate Brandon giving me the opportunity to do this tonight. But we're out of time for tonight. Thanks for listening, and go Pack Go. Go. Well, Wayne, I think this is one that Vince Lombardi and George Hallis would be proud of. You could have given me the touchdown. That is hard to overturn, you know what I mean? I understand. That was a good effort, though, wasn't it? It was a pretty good effort.